Amen. Well, you guys are awesome. And what a day we've had so far. I hope that the Holy Spirit's already doing something in you. You know, today, as we get ready to begin with this part of the service, you know, I'm always, I always feel so blessed to be a part of not only this this season of this body, but I've been able to be a part of this season of this body of believers since 1977. Yeah, that's how old I am. And I look around and there are some of you that have been around even before me. See, what some of you don't understand and may not know, and you may not care to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway, is this church was birthed in the hearts of a few ladies in 1935 and started in a little area called Dog Patch outside of, I guess would have been inside of Millersville, Tennessee. They didn't have a place to worship. So what they did was they went to one of the husbands and said, can we use the tobacco barn? And they started having church in a tobacco barn. So all these years later, here we are today. And the churches went through a lot of different seasons a lot of challenges, a lot of victories, and there's been a lot of great men and women who have come through here. I can name on one hand, or on two hands, right now, just off the top of my head, I could name 10 churches that have been birthed out of this body over the last two decades. That's pretty cool, y'all. That's pretty awesome. But you know what happens in all that? It leads us right into the series that we started last week called bold. I'm reminded of this little story and then I'm, I'm going to share some other things with you and give you an update. But I, I remember when my father was still with us, he, uh, he would always, we had these little handout cards. Anybody remember those little handout uh, invitations? Anyway, we had these little invitations and we had multiple services and, and one of the services was a classic service. And uh, my dad was so good at the marketing side, so to speak. And uh, I was laughing. He would always take his card, no matter where he went, and he would say, now here it is. His side was green and my side was white. And, and he'd only, he said, now, if you like your coffee black and strong, you need to come to my service. It was like we were in competition. I'm like going, really, Dad? And he said, but now if you like your coffee all foo-foo and creamed up like everybody else, then you can come to Clay's service. That's where you need to be. And I'm like, so what do you say? And he goes, well, son, I'm just bold. And I was remembering that memory, and this is what came back to me, and that was kind of where, believe it or not, was the birthplace of this message, of this series, was we live in a world where we need people who are bold. We live in a world where people need to be able to live their lives in such a way that we're not just remembered when we're gone, but that people's lives are changed because we're here. So as we step into this series, last week we had the wonderful opportunity to have such a wonderful organization with Jack and Sheila Harper and Save One came in. Let me tell you, that's a bold ministry. And today I want to walk with you with bold conviction. But before I do that, 
I would like to ask uh, I would like to ask John Eagles to make his way up very quickly. And speaking of bold, John and his wife and his team just got back from Uganda. And I've asked him just to give you now. I've asked 30 him. Minutes, Thirty minutes. I've asked him to give a brief yes. update and tell us about the trip. Yes. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Clay. I got to tell you, you guys are bold. You sow into the ministry of this church and into a pastor's vision, and he has a heart for the lost and the hurting, and and in turn, he believes in things that people do. And man, I'll tell you, this trip was amazing this time. Everything about this trip was different than any other trip in 10 years I've ever been on. I'll just tell you real quick, we've got about four hours. Um, (laughs) The first thing is we arrived and, you know, we do uh, soccer tournaments we shared in December. We did a dance contest this year, second one we've done. And we decided to be bold. So we ended up, instead of renting a little field area, we went ahead and rented the largest secular field that we could possibly get in this huge city. And uh, we decided that where all the famous Uganda, Africa artists, musicians and everything, they perform there. It's like a minor league baseball field. So we decided to step step up the budget, spend the money. The first night, Friday night, when we got there, there wasn't very many people. And uh, Saturday night, there wasn't very many people. And, you know, me, and uh, I started thinking, well, whose idea was this? I was trying to find somebody to blame it on. So we went to morning service Sunday morning at a church, and we, uh, Jennifer and I were ministering at this local church there in the town, and the Spirit of the Lord hit that place. And we gave them a word. We said, there is no strategy for this city but prayer. So the church spent that day praying. At 3 o'clock, we had our last and final day. We had 30,000 people show up, more people than they've ever had in this area. Matter of fact... It's so true, it's so amazing that the, the actually the most popular secular artists in, in Uganda, Africa that had performed there had half the crowd. And on that day, we, we preached and we preached a simple gospel and over a thousand people raised their hands to commit their lives to Christ. God is so good. I love that. Now, now I just, to speed this up a little bit, I, you know, your seed that you sowed into that, that work uh, we took it into a, a flood area where families lost everything, and these people had nothing. And I'm telling you, they had nothing. We were able to provide food for them for a week. We went into another village where all of a sudden the word began to spread, you know, that, that the gospel was there. And the Lord was going ahead of us, and a whole village gave their hearts to the Lord the day we were there. Amen. Thank but, you, Jesus. I'm going to finish with this, though, because this is something I believe. I'm just obeying the Lord, okay? Ah, and this goes perfect with what Pastor Clay is speaking to us today in this series. I didn't even, it's just amazing how God works. We went on a safari. I've gone on them every year I go. Never seen a lion. And I believe this is for someone today. I just really, truly believe it. I'm going to obey the Lord, okay? We watched as we're, there's about 15 of these safari vehicles on this little dirt road in the middle of the safari. We're driving through. There's a lioness and her cubs. And off to a distance is a male lion. He's laying out in the field. And the lioness came to the vehicles and she saw the barrier that was there. And she turned around and went back. Now you got to catch this. I believe this will set somebody free today. All of us in the male lion got up 
And he went and he laid in the dirt road right in front of all the vehicles. (laughs) And he just laid there. And you see the lioness and the cubs, they just walked across peacefully. And I don't know how this ends today, but I do know this, that the Lord wants someone to know this, that the lion of the tribe of Judah today is laying between you and your barrier. And if you'll really open your heart today and you open your ears and hear the word of the Lord come, he's going to speak to you and he's going to set you free. And I want to again thank you and tell you how much Jennifer and I love you for believing in us, believing in the work, and most importantly, just giving your hearts to winning souls because that's what we're here for on this earth. Pastor Clay, thank you. Amen. We're so glad to be able to be a part. But you know, it's, it's about being bold. It's about living a bold life. And I want to say this as well. You know, you don't have to go to Uganda to be bold. As a matter of fact, did you know that the United States is one of the largest mission fields in the world now? You've got work to do. And you say, Pastor, that's your job. You're the pastor. My job is to train you and push you out the door to go do the work of the kingdom, right? That's the truth. I'm doing my part. But I love this concept of being bold. As a matter of fact, here's what we thought. We thought we needed to go to some experts and find out what being bold is all about. What does it mean? And so we went ahead, and I hope you understand, we, we went ahead and spent the money, hired the best. We uh, have came back with, I believe, what is intellectually and theologically some of the best understanding of bold that you're going to find. So let's see what you invested in. It'll be on the side screens. to explain. I think bold means being nice to people that probably aren't nice to you. Standing up for God if like if somebody's doing something wrong just say hey don't do that that's not really smart. To stand up for what you believe in. Believing if, if someone is telling you to worship something else you need to stand up for Jesus. To share the word with others. I do know that Standing up for Jesus, he says he stands up, Jesus stands up for you before God. Protective of like what I believe and what I don't believe. Talk to someone or that you usually wouldn't do. Bold means being brave and being strong and just going head first to worship, going head first into prayer. Sharing your faith unsavingly and without reluctance. Passionate and strong, uh, just like. Not backing down, really. You're putting the word of Christ first and uh, sharing that instead of just your own personal thoughts. Uh, a few days into school, uh, there were a group of kids sitting next to me, and they uh, were using not the nicest language, so I was, I uh, stopped them and just was saying how they probably shouldn't be using those kinds of words and just saying that they should be a lot nicer in the way that they speak and how they act around them. It kind of helped me to be... A, a little bit less scared about doing that kind of thing. You shouldn't be scared. You should you should go out there and spread the word to as many people as you can. So my friends were just going really high on the sweets, so I thought that they would be really safe. So I said, "Hey, uh, try to drive your feet and be safe." <laughs> I stood up 
for Valley and my friends because they could have got seriously hurt. If you're bold, <laughs> there is nothing stopping you. And with a little help from Jesus and God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Aren't they great? Bold. Today I want to talk to you about bold conviction. It's a word we don't like to talk about sometimes, if we're honest, because we think about conviction in a very negative context sometimes. And what I want to help you with today is to understand that conviction is one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit in your life. And without it, we can't be who God's called us to be. And you know what? The truth is, we can't even come to Jesus without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So today I want to talk about that because we live in a culture that honestly has lost conviction. As a matter of fact, we would say scripturally, you could say that their consciences had been seared to where evil is seemingly not even evil anymore. When we watch people who uh, in our political world and in our, in our system, in our media world and all the different places, we watch that, that dishonesty and deception is the norm instead of rare. What's rare now is the person who will be bold and stand up for what's right no matter what it costs them. See, so when we look at conviction, there's certain ways to look at it. But what we do know is that people who live lives of conviction are the people who change the world. Nothing great has ever been done in history without someone who walked and lived with deep conviction. So as a matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible, and I was looking for a story, and I was kind of, I want a story that really impacts this, and, and, you know, and I kept coming to a Bible story, and I kept thinking, well, there's so many other stories. Let me do something out of this, and I thought, no, 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 we need to use this one. This, the, you know, this is what happens when you have the issues I have. You know, it's like voices talking to you all the time. Anyway, so, the, you know, but the Spirit was, I was wrestling because I wanted this story, but God kept bringing me back to this story, and it's found in the book of Mark, chapter 6, and it's about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is obviously lived his life as a person of conviction. Would you agree? We watched him live, all the writings, everything we see. Man, he was, he was out there. I mean, he was the guy that proceeded and paved the way for Jesus to come and all these things. And, and without going deeply into his story for sake of time, what we see is now he's in a situation that's much different than some of the other things he's been attached to. Because basically what happened is King Herod. All right, King Herod's on the scene at this moment. And King Herod's a little afraid of John the Baptist. John the Baptist makes him a little nervous. Do you know why? Because John the Baptist, full of boldness, let King Herod know. Listen, dude. Now, this is the paraphrase. I don't know if there's an actual translation out for this. He's like, hey, dude, listen. That girl that you're with is your, your brother's wife. You can't be with her. It's not right. And 
the Bible, the story goes on that Herod, Herod was actually convicted of this. He felt bad about this and, and he kind of protected John the Baptist in certain situations and, and kind of because he respected him because he spoke the truth. He was bold in speaking this. Now, Herodias, the adulterous woman, the Bible says she seethed after him. She was angry and she wanted him dead, basically. And here's why I think this is so interesting. Because later on, we see the depravity of a world that's lost without God and needs the hope of Christ in that Herodias' daughter is now dancing at this party. It's Herod's birthday party. She's out there dancing this seductive dance. And this is literally his niece, right? And she's dancing seductively, and in his world, he gets whatever he wants, right? So he draws her up and says, and there's, there's a lot of different stories that I won't go into today on this because you see the depravity and it's just disgusting. But anyway, we won't go into all that. But however, what we see is he calls this little girl up and says, I'll give you whatever you want in my entire kingdom. And she runs to her mama and says, what should I ask for? And she says, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So Herod is now stuck, number one, because of his sin, right? Because he, he shouldn't have been in that situation anyway. His conscience was kind of seared to the fact that he didn't see wrong in any of those things. Even though John the Baptist had been speaking to him and, and declaring things, he knew. But now, because he had decreed something, he was stuck. And they sent a person out, they sent word, and they killed John the Baptist on the spot, brought John the Baptist's head on a platter, and delivered it to her. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with any of this? I think it's a great parallel, because the, the reason Herodias wanted that voice silenced is because it was a convicting voice. See, the world we live in today is much like that. Whenever a convicting voice rises up in our world, everything and everything around us in our culture wants to squash that voice and say, no, 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 don't speak. Don't be that. Don't do that. You're just, a stir you're just stirring up problem. You're just stirring up a mess. And even so, when you're speaking truth and logic, we don't even go to the spiritual side, and you speak these things that the culture around us wants to stamp you down and say, don't do that. So what I want you to understand is that there's a part of us, even when we're walking with Jesus, there's a part of our flesh that's always kind of contradicting the fact that God wants us to be people of integrity. He wants us to be people of faith. He wants us to be people who are boldly walking in conviction of understanding this is who God's called us to be. So there's a battle. There's always a battle in this. And here's why I chose this subject today in particular is because if we have a faulty understanding of what conviction is and how it works in our lives, then it colors how we see everything. If you see conviction from a negative standpoint, then the problem is, is that you live coming from that negative place. I want you to understand that biblically, when we understand what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives, that conviction is a positive thing in your life. So as I do this, I, I, thinking of conviction, we all have things in our lives that, that remind us of who we are. And if you don't have something like that, I hope you'll find that. But today, today uh, I'm preaching out of the Word, 
And those of you that know me for a long time and have been around a long time, you probably already recognize what I have. This is one of the most priceless things that I own. And you say, Pastor, it's just a Bible. Oh, but it's not. This was my dad's preaching Bible. His first preaching Bible. Given to him by my mom in 1968 in February, a year before I was born. And today as I hold it and I move through the pages, there are rusty paper clips. The pages are torn and tattered. There's writing all through it. And my, one of my favorite things are where he sweat. My dad was the one that told you if, you, if you didn't sweat, you didn't preach, boy. And I told him, I said, I got a lot of work to do, Dad. But he would sweat on the papers as he preached. And each mark that I see when I go through this represents my dad and his conviction of being a man of God and what that meant to him. So there have been moments in my life and in my ministry that I've been tempted to move in different directions, to hear the call of culture, to go the easy route, to do this or do that, because if you do this, this is going to be successful. If you do that, all these different things, without going into detail, all these things, everybody fights these battles. But this place, or this Bible sits in a very special place in our house, and oftentimes when me and Tawana were talking one day, is like making our plans, you know, if there's a fire or anything like that, what do we get? What do we need to make sure we get out of the house? And, uh, and we're going through it, and I'm thinking through it, and she goes, Clay. And I went, what? She goes, the kids. <laughs> I went, oh, yeah, we need to get them. <laughs> but one of the first things we thought of outside of our children was this. Because in those moments when the world's trying to draw me away, I open this and I'll hold it. And it reminds me. It convicts me. So I want you to understand, it's important to understand the power of conviction in your life. And today as I stand here and I get to preach out of my father's Bible, I want you to understand something. That people need to be bold. We need to be people who are unafraid to be who God's called us to be. And see, a person of conviction doesn't care what it costs. They don't care whether they're popular anymore. They don't care whether people are flocking to their message. They don't care if people don't like them. No, no, no. They speak and do what they were called to do. They represent who God called them to represent, Him. And I find it interesting that we choose these things based on how people like us when the Bible tells us straight up, look, if they cursed at me, if they hated me, you need to understand, this is Jesus talking, if they hated me, don't you think they're going to feel the same way about you? But the thing isn't about popularity. The thing is about bringing the truth and shining the glory of God so that people can be set free from their sin and their bondage and all that. And that's worth more than anything we could ever do. That is so important. So living a bold life and walking in bold conviction. So let me ask you a question. Do you live with bold conviction? When you look at your life, 
and you look at the situations that you're dealing with, even now, are you living with bold conviction or are you walking around and you're stepping back to the place to where that convicting voice of the Holy Spirit in your life has gotten so silent and so quiet that you don't even hear it anymore? See, if I'm being honest today, and you know me, I'm painfully honest, <clears throat> that there are many times in my life, through my journey of faith, that I found myself distancing myself away from that conviction. Because you know what it does? It points out the things that separate you from God. And how many know that sometimes the things that separate us from God are things that our flesh likes? So the challenge is saying, you know what? I want to live a life of bold conviction. I want to understand this in my life, and I need to answer that question. Does my life represent bold conviction? What if the, let me say this. What if you saw the conviction of the Holy Spirit more as assurance instead of in a negative light? Assurance. You see, there's a reason I say all this, and if you would, stand to your feet really quickly, and I'm going to read a scripture out of the book of John. Out of the book of John, chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, and then I'm going to jump down a little bit into verse 13. So John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. He's preparing his people, his disciples, for he's leaving, right? He's taken off. He, they, he understands they're terrified. They don't know what they're going to do without him, all this stuff. But he says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. Look down in verse 13 for sake of time. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, God, I pray that you would speak to each of us that, God, we would walk fully into who you are and who you need us to be. And, Lord, as always, we ask in this house that, God, you would convict our hearts because we want to be better. We want to walk closer to you. So, Father, I pray this in this moment, that, God, this word would find fertile soil in each of our hearts and that, God, it would bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. So, Father, we embrace you, we embrace your word, and we ask you to change us, that when we leave our time together, we would leave changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, let me, let me move through this and help you understand where we're going. Number one, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives because one of the chief jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of things that separate us from God. It's a very simple concept, but it's one that's so important that I need you to have a correct perspective of what this looks like from Scripture. Because the problem is it comes down to two things, conviction and condemnation. That's the way that we see this world. This is the way we see the things around us. And I want you to understand the difference between the two. 
Because you have to remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who walk in the Spirit. Right? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no condemnation in Christ. Okay, here's where I want to take you. All right, so let's look at this really quickly. I want to give you a personal definition of conviction. So let's look at that real quick. quick. Uh, the, the conviction in our lives, okay? So here's what it's going to be. Conviction. Conviction works to push you away from the trap of sin and draw you closer to God and bring you to freedom. Now, how about that? Conviction works to push you away from the trap of sin and draw you closer to God and bring you to freedom. That's what conviction is for. Now, the problem is we confuse conviction and condemnation. So now let's look at condemnation. The next one is condemnation. Condemnation works to push us away from God using shame and self-degradation that points us toward hopelessness and creates barriers to freedom. See, here's what you need to understand. When Christ died for you, when he shed his blood for you, he was the atonement for your sin. So what you need to understand is when the Holy Spirit convicts you, that conviction is not to shame you. That conviction is not to remind you that you're a loser, that you're an idiot, that you're lazy, that you're not disciplined, all those things. That's not what it's for. It is to point you back to the place to draw you closer to fellowship with God. Because the importance is this. Because when we allow condemnation to come in, have you ever dealt with that? Just to be honest, how many people have dealt with condemnation in your life? It's like, you know, and and I know other people condemn us, but I'm talking about self-condemnation. Now let me speak to you about self-condemnation. Because I want to tell you that it's not really self-condemnation. It's the enemy of your soul. Because the enemy wants to remind you that you're not good enough. The enemy wants to remind you that you are so messed up, you're never going to please God. You're never going to be exactly who God called you to be. And you know what? He leads you down this path that brings up, as we said, barriers to you being free. Where conviction in its truest form is caused to bring you to freedom. Okay, so what I want you to have today is this understanding that conviction works to draw you to fellowship. Condemnation works to isolate you. And let's just be honest, we live in a culture, not only in our world culture, in our society, but there's a lot of church culture that's very condemning in what they do. And as a matter of fact, if we're honest, when we're walking in the flesh... Our flesh is very condemning. As a matter of fact, well, you don't believe like I do. You know, and here's the thing. And here's where it gets confusing and that, that why it's so important for the Holy Spirit to be involved in this whole thing. It comes down to discernment. Okay, this is why we need to be working and growing in who God's called us to be. Because what happens in our lives is we begin to see things in the Bible. And let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. We see things in the Bible that we know these are biblical convictions, right? When we read the Word and we see what the Bible says about marriage, 
when we see what the Bible says about holiness, when we see what the Bible says about all these different things, all the hot buttons, we can talk about all the hot buttons that are going on right now in our world. And the Bible has an answer for all of those. The world ignores it, but the Bible has an answer. We look at those. Those are convictions that are biblical convictions. They're right here. But what about that slippery slope of the convictions that we don't see written in the Word? You know, it's like, well, I can do this, and I'm okay with it. But how can somebody else do something, and they're not convicted of it? And we're going, well, wait a minute, if, if, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know, if, it, if this and that, we make all these arguments about this stuff. And, and here's what I need to tell you. And here's how I handle those things in my own life. Because Paul teaches us well is this. I will never let my freedom cause someone else to stumble. I want you to grab a hold of that. Because there's some things in your life that you don't feel convicted of right now. That the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted you or... It could be that the Holy Spirit has tried to convict you, but you don't want to hear it. Has anybody ever been in those shoes? So what I want to challenge you in today is to understand the reason we need a biblical understanding of what these things are. We also need an understanding of when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to be soft enough in our heart to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us. To say, look, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't listen to that joke. You shouldn't be a part of that conversation. You shouldn't be in this environment. These things. Let me tell you, as somebody who's walked in, a, in the Spirit for a long time now, for many years, I can tell you honestly right now, there are times that I walk into places and I turn around and walk right back out. Why? Because there's an inner witness inside of me. It's that Spirit of God in me. And because I'm sensitive to what the Spirit is showing me, I'm listening. And if the Spirit convicts me of something, I try my best to respond quickly. Because conviction of the Holy Spirit leads to repentance. And repentance is what brings us into right relationship with God. So what we need to understand here is, is this idea. And here's a quote from Ian Thomas that I want to share with you. And I, I, I love this quote because it really brings it into fruition. So the, the quote is this. The Holy Spirit is like a man with a lamp entering a dark and dirty room. And what you have learned to live with in the dark becomes repugnant in the light. Man, I love that. I love that. I don't know if the screens are frozen in the back, but I'll meet with them after service and talk about that. (laughs) So what I want you to understand is there are some very important things that we need to grab a hold of here to understand that we need the Holy Spirit because what happens as we're walking in Christ, as we're growing in Christ, there are things that, you know, as as we get closer to God, there are things in our life that we realize this doesn't match where I am now. In other words, what convicts me now may not have convicted me a month ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about our growth. It's about getting closer to the Lord and understanding if we're going to be people of conviction, we need to be people who walk with an understanding of conviction. Because one of the greatest mistakes that I see in people's lives is this, is that they see conviction through condemnation eyes. And 
now God's mad at them. Now God's angry at them. Can I tell you this? There's nothing that you can do that's going to make God not love you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, there, there's some things sometimes I'm going, whew, Lord, that, whew, thank you for grace. But, you know, we look at this, I want you to understand that God loves you, and the Holy Spirit convicts us not to punish us, but to draw us closer and to remove obstacles from us being who he's called us to be. See, the closer I get to God, the clearer I hear him. You know, it's kind of like you heard the thing of a radio tower. You know, it's like the further you are from a radio tower, the worse the reception is, right? Or let's say Wi-Fi. Okay, let's get, the, let's get to this century, right? With Wi-Fi. You know, if you're close to that box, man, it's, it's on. It's like it's fast. But the further you get, those bars begin to drop. And if you get too far then you don't get anything. And then your phone will jump up and say it's in low data mode. See, the problem in our spiritual walk as believers, so many of us are walking around in low data mode that we can't clearly hear God. It's like, you know, my daughter with her phone, I'll talk to her, it drives me crazy. We're talking on the phone and I hear like, hey, dad, and I hear about 30% of a conversation. And she'll finish, she goes, so what do you want me to do? Can you say that again? It happens all over again. I've said, can you just text me? You know, because I can't understand. I can't understand what you're saying. So many of us are like that. It's like we're listening from, to God and it, we've just gotten so used to broken communication that we're not able to hear the full message. That's the problem. So when we come to the place where we hear the Holy Spirit, He convicts our heart. There, if there are things that separate us from God, we repent of those things. And when we repent of those things, it draws us closer to God. And when we get closer to the signal, can anybody tell me, you're not in low data mode. You're in upload heaven. You're in download heaven. It's like, man, I've got like a lot here. I've got room. And it's like I can hear the voice of God clearly. Listen to me. We live in a time in our history, in our culture right now, that the people of God have got to be so plugged in to the voice of God that when the Spirit speaks, we act. That when we're walking into a situation, you're not going, was that God or... I mean, have you ever had that happen? It's like going, was that God or was that last night's pizza or was that, was that my anxiety? Was that what, you know, we come to all these different things to the point that we're so close to God and we're so intimate with him is that when the Holy Spirit leads us into something, we know his voice. But so many of us push away because we see conviction as telling us we're failures, that we're not good enough. And it's like God's just reminding me that I'm a loser. God's just reminding me because you know what? I can guarantee you nobody that's on that platform has ever had to deal with what I've had to deal with. Can I just tell you that? That's a lie. That is a lie. You heard Hope tell you what a terrible person she is this morning. (laughs) But for the grace of God, Hope. But the truth is we're all human. We all fail. 
And we all fall short. But the thing I want you to understand is that all of this doesn't happen to make you less. It's to make you more. So let me answer this question for you is this, because you say, well, well, how do I do this? How do I make myself more receptive to the convicting of the Holy Spirit so that I can walk fully in who God's called me to be? I want to hear it clear. And can I tell you this? That understand, as you grow in Christ, your convictions will change. I, I just need you to understand that. Because I'm going to be very honest here. There are things that I wasn't convicted of 10 years ago that I'm convicted of now. Can I tell you why? Because the season in which God uses you is very connected to the things that will convict your heart. So what I'm telling you now is in the culture, in these spiritual battles that our nation and our world is in, you need to understand that that battle is a part of your call. And when you're called to battle, conviction changes. Because the things that you would allow into your life prior to a battle is very different. Uh, let's use, an, I'll use one more illustration. Is this. Think of an athlete. You know, um, who, who's that uh, MMA guy? That I can't watch MMA. I, I just I can't do it. I don't know. Some of you guys love MMA. We have actually had a couple guys here that that did MMA, and I'm like looking at. I just can't. I can't handle it. You know, it's like I'm just expecting something to break any minute, and I'm, my, my anxiety is like oh, I can't do this. But you know, when you look at these guys and they're training, or any athlete, and they're training for an event, and they've got a fight coming up, or they've got a game coming up, they go into training mode. And in training mode, things are different. Things are different. Your eating habits are different. Your activities are different. There are things you don't allow in. You know, when you're training for different things, there are things that aren't conducive to you being in the top physical shape that you need to be for that moment. So you stop doing it. But when you're not in training, it's like, you know what, I'm going to have I'm going to have some pizza. It's like, I'm not going to run 15 miles today, uh, you know, or whatever that is in your life. And it's okay. However, we have to be aware of the spiritual seasons that we're in. These are such important ideas for us to grab a hold of. So you say, how do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm walking in that place? Turn with me to James. Turn into James chapter 7, or chapter 4, I'm sorry, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Let me read them for you real quick. Therefore, submit to God. All right, I want you to look at that. That's big right there. The first line. Therefore, submit to who? To God. It does not say submit to your flesh, submit to culture, submit to this or that. It says submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come on. I, you know what? As a matter of fact, that's such a powerful line right there. I want you to speak that to the person beside you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. Resist the devil, y'all. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, isn't that really what it comes down to? It's like, are you man or woman enough to resist the enemy? It's like, because sometimes the battles that we face, we look at, and if you could look at it outside of yourself for a minute, 
And you're calling your pastor and saying, Pastor, I'm fighting this spiritual battle. And Lord, the devil's been on my back. And I'm like, hey, well, get him off your back. He ain't supposed to be there. You're just stupid. Anyway, it's like, come on. It's like, you don't understand, but I'm fighting this battle. So let's talk about it. Tell me about the battle. And you start tracking it back. And, you, and you're going like, this ain't no battle. This is, at most, this is a skirmish. Because the problem is, is you have a temptation and you're not saying no. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you have a thought that's not a thought that's conducive to you getting closer to God, the Bible says, take that thought captive and bring it under subjection. And you say, no, 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 that's not my thought. That's the enemy's thought. I'm not owning that. So you do away with it, right? It's, it's not rocket science. I'm not trying to oversimplify the battles that we face. But when we really break it down to brass tacks, it's we don't want to resist because resistance is effort. In other words, we become lazy. So we have to say, God, help me be better. So resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8. I think that's verse 8. <laughs> yes, it's verse 8. <laughs> Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do you know how powerful that is? Because sometimes we think, if something brings me a sorrowful heart, God doesn't want me to be sad. You're right. You know, if I were to take this to a very easy to understand description or illustration, I've been married a long time. And I've not always been the best husband. There are times I get busy, I'm very motivated, I'm very goal-centric and things like that. So I get very, I get the blinders on and I'm going. And sometimes in my past, I've missed the mark of being the husband that I know God called me to be. Never had moral issues, never had any of those things, nothing like that. You don't have to worry about that. But the issue that I want you to understand is with my relationship with my wife, there are times when I didn't put her in the priority place where she should be. You know, God, my relationship with God, my wife, everything else falls under that. There have been times when church got in front of that, and it caused issues. So what I'm trying to tell you, there have been moments and times in my life where I realized I'm not doing this right, and here's what happens. The, the holy conversation of Tawana brings conviction. <laughs> you know, boy, don't even bother coming home if you ain't bringing flowers. You know, it's like, whatever, whatever that is. But there's a conviction that happens and it reminds you, my gosh, I didn't even realize that I wasn't doing that. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even realize we hadn't had a date night in two months. I didn't even realize that we haven't been inundated with all these things and I haven't been who I need to be. And it's not a bad thing. It's a thing of rec helping me recognize I got to be better. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. And in this world and in this moment, we need 
the Holy Spirit in greater measure than we've ever had. So let me give you really quickly as I wrap two key thoughts back to back. The first key thought is this. The conviction of the Spirit doesn't grow simply through belief in Christ. But awareness and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit comes from an encounter with God. You see, people think, I've got all I need for this. Let me tell you something. An encounter with God will bring you closer to God in a moment than the journey can take you your entire life. You say, I need to hear more from God. Have an encounter with God. It's such an important concept in this. Let me give you one. I'm going to give you this final thought because this is such an important one. Believers with bold conviction are the people who impact others and influence the culture around them for Christ. You say, well, that's the person I want to be. I want you to be that person. I want to be that person. But what I have to understand, I have to remember what the Bible says in James. He's teaching us. He says, you need to understand, submit to God. Because when I submit to God, it opens the door for me to become who I can't be on my own. Remember what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of a believer, in the life of a believer. He enables you to do what you cannot do on your own. The Holy Spirit enables you to say no to things that you haven't been able to say no to. So if you're struggling with something, you say, I'm convicted about this, but I can't get over it. You need to get closer and get an encounter with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to say, I am better than that. And I'm not going down like that. That's what's important. Believers with bold conviction are the people who impact others and influence the culture around them for Christ. I submit to God. I resist the devil. I draw near to God. Do you see the pattern right there in Scripture? It's so simple. And I want you to understand this right now. When I read that, the first thing that comes to my mind is this, is, May we be such people. May I stop making excuses for not being where I should be with Christ. May I be that person that realizes that I've been looking through the eyes of this temporal world instead of the eternal. This world is a drop in the bucket. The Bible even says it. This life, it's here today, gone tomorrow. I know some of you young folks don't understand that, but let's just get over 50. And you realize how fast it's going. It's blindingly fast. May we be the, may we be that people. bow your head and close your eyes I was going to end differently but Father today we come before you and we know there's nobody in this room or that's listening today that's fully arrived in who you've called us to be 
We also know that no matter what season we're in, that the enemy is out to steal, to kill, to destroy. We understand that he's like a roaring lion roaming, seeking whom he can devour. We, we understand that. But Father, today, we ask you to convict our hearts anew. Let us see what we need to see. Let us experience what we need to experience. And Lord, help us to see your conviction conviction with eyes of assurance. Thank you, God, for convicting me. Thank you, Jesus, for drawing me close. Thank you, God, for not forgetting me and leaving me in my sin and letting me get more distant from you. Help us to see through your eyes. And God, as we wrap up our time this morning, there's never been a time like this moment that you've called us to be in to where our voices are so important. Our bold conviction of life is so important. So Father, help us live that life. Help us to understand that conviction is an unshakable belief in who you are. That a conviction is a made-up mind, a set heart. I pray, God, that our hearts would be set on you. And that we'd be willing to hear the voice of conviction. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, you're here today. And you know that God's convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit working right now. And you feel it and you know that the Spirit's convicting you of some things in your life. You'd say, Pastor, I know that I'm not right with God. I know there are some things that I've allowed to separate me from God. So this message of repentance is for believers who have let too much distance come between them and God. Because the Bible goes on in James to say those that know to do right and do it not, that's sin. So now I've ruined it. I've told you that if it pushes you further away from God, it's sin. And it needs repentance. So I'm asking you a bold question right now. You're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get rid of those obstacles. And I want to hear the Spirit more in my life. I need to change that in my life. I need repentance. If that's you, would you slip your head up and say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, hands going up all over, of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, I see. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, man, you can put your hands back down. Now I'll ask this question. You're here today. You say, Pastor, to be honest, I've never had the kind of relationship with God you're talking about. And today, I need to receive Christ. 
Maybe it's your first time, or maybe you know you walked away from God a long time ago for whatever reason, but today God's drawing you home. You say, Pastor, that's me. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. This is personal business. I'm not going to embarrass you today. That's not what I do. But you're here and you say, I need Jesus today. Today's my day. If that's you, slip your hand up right where you are so I can remember. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a person. Amen. You can place your hands back down. Here's what I'm going to ask all across this room. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Our altar workers and pastors that are available are going to make their way to the front. Because when we end this part of our service, we open up the altars for prayer. If you need prayer, if you're sick in body, we believe God's a healer. We know God's able. And if you need prayer today, we want you to have that experience. But today you raise your hand and said, I need to repent. Many of you raised your hand. Several of you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Listen to me. Tell somebody about this decision. Don't try to walk alone. You need people. You need the body of Christ. That's why we have the church. You're important to us. If you didn't have anybody to tell, you do now. Tell us. If you're kind of shy about it, you can grab a connection card and you can put it on there and circle it. And one of the pastors will call you, check out, and give you what you need. But today, we're going to all say this prayer because this is a prayer of repentance and it's a prayer of salvation. And we're going to start here. And I want to say this. It's not simply the words that are what change you. It's the fact of the willingness of you saying, I know I need Jesus. So today as we say this, it's us confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's what we're doing. And we're going to do it together as a family right now. So do you just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're watching online, you can do the same thing right where you're at right now. And simply repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. And come into my heart. And make it new. I need you, Jesus. I repent of my sin. And today I turn away from my past. I once again need you, Jesus. So, Father, today I choose you. I receive you as my personal Savior. And today I'm changed. In Jesus' name. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. Amen and amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning.